Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. to have today's guest on the show. Connie Huck is a TV presenter and author who's well known for being Blue Peter's longest serving presenter. She recently published her first children's book, Cookie and the Most Annoying Boy in the World, which follows the adventures of nine-year-old science-obsessed Cookie. It's a brilliant read and my eight-year-old has given it the thumbs up and when I asked her why it's good, she said, it's funny. So I think if you can make kids laugh, you're onto a winner. Connie talks to me about why she wanted to write a kid's book that has a strong STEM theme running through it and why it was important to her that the central character is a geeky girl from a Bangladeshi family. Connie's also mum to two sons and we chat about what family life is like for her at home with them and her husband, Charlie Brooker. Connie also tells me about a very cool competition that she's judging, the Equinor Young Imagineers, in association with the Science Museum. And I'll put all the information for that in the show notes. So basically, Connie's doing her bit to get our kids interested in science. I really love chatting to her over a cuppa and I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, Connie. Thank you for having me. Um, so kick off by telling me what family life is like for you. Um, family life is chaotic for me. No, it's good. But my youngest went to reception um, last school year. So I'm, I'm one of those mums that's sort of on the clock, fitting everything in between the hours of nine and three. It's such a short day, isn't it? It's so short. You kind of think before your kids go to school, oh, when they go to school, yeah. they have so much time. I'm going to have a life. When they go to school, this will happen, that will happen, you're right. You literally empty the dishwasher and it's time for pickup. Yeah. Blink and it's 3.30. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. What were you like when your kids started school? Did you find it, were you quite emotional about it or was it quite an easy transition for you? Um, my first son was, he'd been to nursery and he was quite down with the whole going to school thing, but... Leaving him at nursery when we first started was literally he was clinging on. Um, and they say boys are clingier. Oh, do they? Yeah, than girls, especially to their mummies. Oh. Yeah, and then, but then by the time school happened, he was kind of 
down with it. And then I think number twos are more independent, so they're ready for the world. So, yeah, Huxley, who's five at the moment, he was fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, that's good. So, so it's, it's chaotic, it's hectic, but... Well, you're always on the clock, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, literally, no matter what they say, it's the mums that are always on the clock, not the dads. Um... So I'm having a tea, a cup of tea handed yes. to me. So thank you very much. Got to have a cup of tea. Got to have a cuppa. Um, is motherhood anything like you thought it would be? Did you have any kind of preconceived notions about what it would be like? I mean, I did think, you know, you you get pregnant and then people are like, oh, get your sleep while you can. And, you know, everyone's like, your life will change. And I it's like, so annoying when people say that, oh, isn't it? They do say it, though, don't they? Everyone <laughs> says it. And then in their droves as well, like literally everyone says it to you. And I was like, ah, how hard can it be? There's teenage mothers, there's people that have twins and quadruplets and you know there's women in India working in the fields with babies strapped to their backs there's people at the top of a you know tower block as a single parent and you think yeah it'll be fine and it's the best kept secret you have a child and no matter what it's that everything is thrown into chaos yeah um sleeping routines everything um but you know it's fun it really is isn't it Mm. but yeah you're right I think that that kind of to go from zero to one baby, it's just this huge life-changing thing, isn't it? Yeah. And even like in terms of what your body goes through and hormonally and everything, it's just yeah, it's nuts. And no matter who you are, you know, whether you're the CEO of a company or whatever, you know, it takes you back to having to, you know, deal with poos and wheeze and stick your boob in a mouth and all of that. So it's kind of grounding for everyone. It is, isn't it? Um, do you think that working in kids TV kind of prepared you in any way? Because obviously you were around kids a lot and, you know, you're, you must have been very good at, you know, chatting to kids mm. and hanging out with them. I mean, I do like kids. I always think they're so much more sort of open-minded and they're not cynical and jaded. You know, they're more refreshing than their adult counterparts often. So I guess that helped... Um, but you know, other people's kids are different from having your own, aren't they? Um, I, yeah, I guess in many ways, like my youngest is really into making stuff and drawing. He loves crafting stuff. He'll like make elaborate structures out of cardboard with, you know, he's really, I can imagine him being an engineer or something. He's very creative. Um, and then my oldest son is more techie like his dad, I think. That's so nice that you can see very particular things that have come from you and come from your husband. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can see characteristics, traits, mannerisms, expressions. Yeah, definitely. That's so good. Um, what was your own childhood like? Was Do you have, like, really lovely memories? Um, I was the youngest of three. So um, my middle sister is three years older than me and she's actually my local MP now. Oh, I I read that. That's amazing. Yeah. And then my elder sister is nine years older than me. Um, And my dad had an Indian restaurant um, and my mum, actually funny enough, one of the jobs she had was for a book company. So we always grew up anyway with loads of books in the house um, and my dad was a big reader um so yeah I guess it's kind of apt because everything that I've said to you more or less is the basis for the book that I've written so the 
the main character, who's a nine-year-old girl, she kind of has my family, essentially. Um, and, yeah, she's like a cross between Bridget Jones and Wimpy Kid. I love that analogy. <laughs> I think that's just such a nice way of describing a character. Yeah, I mean, she sort of sees the absurd in everyday life. So basically, um, I've illustrated it with these sort of comic strips that show things going on in her head and her flights of fancy and sort of her sort of extrapolating things to the extreme, um, having these hypothetical scenarios that are going on. So it's very comedic and she's very creative with her imagination, but she's also very scientific as a person and she's very much into knowledge and education. And I've tried to make a book that's like a really laugh out loud, funny read, but then hopefully kids will sort of be educated in stealth fashion while they're that. reading it. So, yeah. It's like the equivalent of, um, like, slipping vegetables into a pasta sauce. Yes, it's like, totally that. It's good yeah. for them, but they don't quite realise it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. You're slipping in unawares. Um, and also, I wanted to make a book that was about a girl that would appeal to boys as well, because girls read about boys, boys read about boys, Girls read about girls, but boys don't read about girls. Why is that? I don't know. It's time to address the balance. I think a lot of, if you look at books, a lot of the main characters are boys. Yeah. Um, you know, I struggle to think of, you know, many big series with, with a girl at the heart. I mean, there are a few. There are things like, I guess, things like Tracy Beaker or um, my uh, eldest reads a series called Dork Diaries. But it, yes. But it's quite kind of... Um, it's very girly. Yeah, they're kind of... That's what I mean. They're quite girly because you've got... I mean, going back, yeah, there's Pippi Longstocking and there's loads... There are loads, but they don't really seem to appeal to boys. No. That's the thing. So, it's interesting, that, isn't it? That girls can obviously... They don't have to see themselves from a gender point of view yeah. in the main character, but boys do. I mean, like, with Harry Potter, you know, J.K. Rowling wrote J.K. Rowling on the cover to make a point of the fact that, you know, she wanted the book to appeal to both genders. And, you know, it'd be interesting, if had she written Joanne, yeah. would it have been more of a slow burner on, on boys? Who knows? Um, I think times are changing. Tom Gates is written by Liz, who's, you know, very much um, a lady. Yeah. Um, but then the central character is a boy. Mm. So, yeah, let's see. And also, it's quite interesting that you made your character Bangladeshi. Mm. And when you obviously look around so many kids' books, you know, it is white boys who are the main characters. And there are a lot of girls. But how important was it to you to have a character that wasn't... You know, it is important, I think, for kids to not have sort of the preconceived notions that adults have of, like, minority, that means this and that, and, you know, they're from this background. So, you know, so basically she is a British Bangladeshi child and that is, you know, part of the story, but she's like any other kid. So, you know, all the important stuff, you know, falling out with your friend, you know, having an argument, wanting to make up with someone, all these sort of affairs of the heart... They don't make a difference whether you're from a Jewish faith or from a, you know, 
um, ethnic minority background or, you know, the, all of that is set dressing, but we're all the same underneath. Yeah. And that's what I kind of wanted for the book. So um, she's Muslim. She's from a British Bangladeshi family. She's into STEM learning. She's into science, technology, engineering and maths, you know, and knowledge. So these are also seen as kind of niche things. But actually... You might not realise it reading the book because she's so sort of out there and funny and just, you know, your regular kid. So hopefully we're on the cusp of a society that, you know, where skin colour will be judged as much as eye colour. Well, know. so often that, that is how kids view people as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. You know, um, they quite often don't even notice the colour of someone's skin. No, they don't. And kids are a blank canvas. They only take on what we feed to them. Everything that they absorb is stuff that we put there. So, you know, if they grow up in a society where it's the norm to be racist, they'll be racist. If they grow up in a society where it's the norm to not discriminate between people, no matter what, then that's what they'll do. You only do what societal conditioning makes you do. If you grow up in a society where everyone has tribal markings, you'll have tribal, you know, markings. People want to fit in by nature. Mm. Um, And it's important that they want to fit into the right moulds, the right values, you know, the right judgments, the right social awareness. And it's important to get get them while they're young. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, When you were growing up... um, were you aware of kind of that kind of thing, you know, in terms of I mean, the TV shows you were watching or the books you were yeah, reading? Yeah, very much. I do remember, actually, listening to the radio once, and this is to sort of illustrate the bigger point, and hearing a lady's voice on the radio. And I was very young, and I do remember thinking, that's strange. I didn't realise ladies were on the radio. Because I'd so been used to just hearing a male voice. I mean, I was really young. I hadn't probably listened to loads of radio. But the point is, is it struck me that, oh, that should she be on the radio? You know, and because you only, you know, have reference points of what you're used to. And so because I'd been so used to hearing blokes' voices on the radio, I didn't realise. And similarly, the first time you heard a regional accent on a continuity announcer, it's like, oh, that's, that's strange, you know. But now you wouldn't think twice because you have to go through that sort of initial stage to get to the point of total equality. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've illustrated the book yourself, haven't yes, you? You mentioned have. that. What was I mean, what led you to decide just to... I mean, writing a book is an achievement in <laughs> itself. Because the thing is, the way Cookie's mind works, she goes off on tangents. She sort of thinks about things in a non-linear way. And f- for the story, it works so much easier that the pictures are her head thoughts and the narrative is what's actually happening. Mm. Um, and it means that, you know, you can cram loads in there flights of fancy, sort of um, imaginings, you know, and lots of jokes as well. So it was important to me as well to try and draw in reluctant readers. And I think you can do that with having extra bits and pieces. So hopefully, I don't know, some of the humour or some of the drawings will get to them. Or, you know, I've put in graphs and Venn diagrams and tables and pie charts, but they're all linked with funny things. You know, so it doesn't feel too mathsy because it's, you know, a pie chart tallying thick people and 
non-thick people or, um, you know, it's a graph of her friendship with Kaziah and it shows the, the co positive correlation between how happy she is and how many hours she spends with Kaziah, who's her best friend. So it's sort of drawing kids in in stealth ways. And it sounds quite interactive as well. It sounds like Yeah, so there's a science competition um, that the school is holding and everyone has to come up with, you know, ideas for it. And then there's loads of sort of diagrams of all the different inventions people have come up with. And then there's a section at the back where you can try out experiments that are in the book and try to make some of the stuff that's in the book and there's a recipe in there. And yes, it's very interactive. I think that's, that's so important, isn't it? Because it feels like, you know, to actually be able to experience as a kid experience some of the stuff that cookie yeah, is experiencing yeah, yeah. makes it kind of lifts it off the page i guess yeah definitely so um yeah it's twofold it's yeah having that sort of experience of being in cookie's world which is why it's the sort of first person so you're right in her head and then secondly drawing reluctant readers into a book which has actually got a narrative and you know hopefully it will help them tap into something there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details this week's episode of not another mommy podcast is supported by little freddy an award-winning baby food brand who are on a mission to bring flavor and nutrition back to baby food whilst helping to look after our planet my twin babies love Little Freddy baby food. Their favourite seems to be the organic beef and coconut curry with wild rice. And it's 20% grass-fed beef, so I know that they're getting a good portion of protein. As part of their big green plan, Little Freddy are the first brand in the UK to have launched a free zero-waste-to-landfill recycling scheme, so nothing ends up in landfill. Little Freddy have made this scheme simple and free for parents and you can now get involved through their Pouches for Prizes competition. If you share an image of you recycling your pouches with the prepaid envelope on Instagram and tag Little Freddy UK from now through to November, you'll be in with a chance to win a selection of prizes, including a year's National Trust membership and a year's supply of Little Freddy baby food every week i would love to win that simply message them on instagram to get your free recycling bag it's recycling week from the 23rd to the 29th of september so what better time to message little freddy to get your free recycling bag and get recycling now 
big thank you to little Freddie for supporting this episode of Not Another Mummy podcast. Um, and what kind of made you want to write about a character who was really into STEM activity? Well, in the UK, we have a real dearth of people going into STEM professions, and that's boys as well as girls, girls more so. And it really struck me that when my parents came over here in the 60s from the UK, they came over to give their kids a good education. But for them, the revered, you know, choice of career path was becoming an accountant, an engineer, a doctor, you know. And STEM is really like something to be revered where they'd come from. And then they came over here where sort of people like, I want to be on reality TV or I want to be a pop star or, you know, which is very much artsy and creative stuff. And actually going beyond that, you know, in my Blue Peter years, often I'd ask people, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they'd say famous. And I'd say famous for what? And they didn't know, they just wanted to be famous. You know, so why not want to be famous for being a scientist or famous for coming up with a groundbreaking, life-saving cure for something? You know, those are the people that should get the adulation. Absolutely. And so the book tries to sort of flip reverse these sort of stereotypes. Um, because the only way to do it is through kids. They are the future. They, the way they think is what will be the thinking of the adults of tomorrow. Mm, absolutely and that leads us on quite nicely to mm. another project that you're yes. um, working on which is uh, being on a judging panel of the Equinor Young Imagineers competition yes um, which is in partnership with the Science Museum isn't it it is and the brilliant thing about this is it ties in so well because remember I said there's this science competition in the book well the Equinor um, Science Museum competition is looking for children to come up with innovations and ideas of their own um, for the future. And so it's literally, coincidentally, a straight parallel. Um, And, you know, like I said, stuff like this that can draw kids into becoming interested in STEM professions and maybe thinking, you know, this is what I want to go into when I'm older. Science can get a bad PR because I think the grown-ups don't PR it well enough um, because people doing the PR are often people that are in PR, so they're not sciencey people anyway. That's so um, true. Yeah, so the thing is, is, you know, I did a show on Five Live the other day with the scientists and they were... Um, um, <laughs> their specialist field was laughter. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay... Um, so, you know, what does that entail? And they travel and, you know, go and experience different cultures and what makes different people laugh. And some cultures laugh at sadness. You know, they investigate some people laugh when they're in pain. You know, is there something in your brain that makes you do that? They tickle mice. You know, it's fascinating, the stuff that this scientist was telling me. And that's the thing. You can be a scientist in more or less any field. Without science, we'd all be cavemen Mm. in caves with, you know, bear skins or whatever, rabbit skins and sticks and stones. Science is the reason we've had any progress, the reason we can do this podcast, the reason the lights are on in this room right now. You know, and so science really is the way forward. But I just think some people don't sort of make that connection. Yeah. And there's so much more to find out, so much stuff that we don't know already. Yeah. 
It's Which only is, progressing all the time. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, it but you're right. Yeah, you're right. Getting kids into this stuff, and then it's only going to progress faster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And get them while they're young. When something goes through kids' core during their primary years that really strikes a resonance of them, they take it with them through life, mm. you know, and... It's really important to give kids the right values as well at this age. So stuff like, you know, thinking about, I don't know, other people and altruism and having empathy and reading books does all that. It can ignite a passion within a child. And, you know, if if they think, you know, I don't want to be wasteful or I want to help climate change or whatever it is, they will be into that for life it's amazing though isn't it how their minds work sometimes like thinking about this this competition and trying to think of um you know a, an invention and pre- mm. previous things that have uh, won were a horror wheelchair and a solar powered pollution sucking robot pigeon and you just think yeah that's amazing it's brilliant and like, imagine if we could get those to suck all the pollution out so the inventions have to be something that kids can create to make the world a better place for tomorrow. I mean, you can't get better than stopping climate change. Yeah, it's so. like it, it's it's amazing if you actually stop and have a conversation with kids sometimes mm. and listen to their ideas. Like the other day, just over lunch, my eight-year-old said, "Do you know what, Mummy? If I was uh, in charge of Sainsbury's, I would just make the plastic bags ten pounds, and then nobody would buy them, and everyone would remember to bring their own bags." And she doesn't really know that you have to buy plastic bags already. She's not really yeah, aware yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. And I was like, Do you know what? You're totally right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You've, you've nailed it. You know, yeah. you, you've kind of made a big step forward in plastic pollution just over over lunch. Yeah, but that's the thing. They think bigger than we do because they think anything is possible. Whereas adults are just cynical and jaded. They just think their opinion won't make a difference. They won't count for anything, and that's not true. Or we think about the the buts. It's like, oh, we could do that, but yeah, these are the things that stand in our way. Whereas kids yeah. don't even consider that stuff. That's the thing. You just think oh yeah but it won't work yeah whereas actually it will work but you have to have the right attitude and you need everyone to think that way yeah absolutely and that's why we need to get kids on board globally you know I always remember like going into university I'd done science subjects and then I went and did an economics degree because I knew by then I wanted to go into television. And I thought, I don't really actually know anything about what taxes do or what they are. Or You know, if kids were all sort of aware of the bigger picture, you know, good hospitals and good schools, and this is caring for everyone. You I know, had this exact conversation. Is caring. I, I explained how tax works to my, my eldest yeah. the other day. We were on the bus, and she was like... You know, but how, you know, and just, just talking through it. And then we, I, I dropped her off at a holiday club that happened to be at a fee-paying school. And yeah. she said, this morning, she said, Mummy, I want to go to this school when I'm in secondary school. And I said, well, actually, this costs a lot of money, mm. so we probably mm. won't be sending you this mm. to this school. And she said, but don't all schools cost money? And I said, no, remember, I told you about tax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was oh, like this light bulb went off in her head and she remembered. But I think all kids should be taught that yeah because i think then you have social awareness a lot younger so it will stop people from being greedy because the minute you get you know the minute kids are old enough to even get pocket money you start getting that sort of want creation in your head where like i I must have this and i must keep up with the joneses and but if from a young age 
you kind of all are altruistic, then you'll just feel extravagant buying your 17th pair of shoes or whatever. People won't want to do that. The only reason people do is because we've been bringing up kids in a society where that is the done thing. Yeah. And it's all about just bringing people up in a society that we want for the future. Yeah. It, it sounds so simple when you say it like that, isn't it? But it is about all of us just thinking about this every day. Because I don't think people think it's changeable because it's the status quo we're in now. Mm. But things are changeable, but only through children. You know, so I've grown up, you know... Um, knowing that like it's really bad to waste food because where my parents came from some people couldn't afford to eat and in fact wasting things you just have to respect things everything's been made in a factory or it's been made so it's sort of disrespectful to just make it all disposable because someone designed that and someone thought that should be red or whatever and some there's been dye that's gone to make it that color you know all these processes have happened and to make it disposable is just so you know awful and extravagant, disrespectful. And having that mindset, you know, from when I was quite young, means that I sort of don't... I don't know, I wouldn't get the happiness from buying the that handbag or the extra... I wouldn't get the happiness, but people are only doing things to make themselves happy. Mm. So no-one's right and no-one's wrong. It's just we need to govern what they feel their happiness derives from. And it's definitely from helping others, not helping yourself. Because really, true happiness comes from your friends, having a good laugh with your friends, or, you know, your partner, you know, loving people that love you back, you know, being entertained by people that it's a pleasure to be with. And those are the real connections that bring happiness, because happiness is from the heart. Whereas stuff like getting the iPhone 1000, you're happy for all of two minutes till the iPhone 2000. <laughs> and then there'll be the 3000, the 4000. Where does it stop, yeah. you know? And actually, if you think of happiness and sadness, the scale is the same. If you're utterly devastated or utterly euphoric, that is the same for everyone, no matter whether you live on the streets in a shanty town or whether you live in a mansion, the scale is the same, yeah. you know, and we all come with nothing and we go with nothing. Yeah. Um, does it not then terrify you that, you know, thinking about, the, you know, our kids mm. and the way that they're growing up and the values that we instill in them, that, that it kind of feels like the world is falling apart around us in mm. a lot of ways. And mm. you have people in power who don't necessarily share those values. Because they were brought up wrong. The people in power, you know, and they only think they're doing the right thing for their happiness. Um, but it's like they've kind of gone a bit adrift in realising where their happiness comes from. Because remember what I said, you do get happinesses in short fix. You do get happiness in a short fix from buying the next consumer good or for having a little bit more power or being a little bit more popular or being a little bit more fashionable. You know, those give little fixes of happiness, but it's so short-lived, you're always chasing it. Mm. Because if you come down from it, then the sadness is great. You know, so if you have riches and then you lose it the sadness is great or if you feel you're really popular or whatever and then suddenly you feel like someone's been mean about you or whatever you know that it's a real like you're just always chasing more and more and more when yeah. does it end yeah. in sweden they have this thing called lag on which is called just the right amount and it became very fashionable to have just the right amount and in fact you know it's it would be seen as 
in a world of Lagom, it would be seen as grotesque to have anything more. The same way that if you saw someone wearing a suit made of gold, you'd just think, oh, how showy. It's too much. Yeah, it's too much. We need to govern what we say is too much. You know, it, it could be too much to go to the hairdressers every week. It could be too much to have more than five pairs of shoes. I'm not saying what is too much, but we need to think about what too much is because really happiness isn't to do with amounts like that yeah that's true so true um how concerned are you with you know you're having sons that are growing up in this world where technology is something that should be learned about and harnessed and you know obviously with like stem subjects it's all about getting them into engineering and coding and all that kind of stuff but the flip side of that is that we have got these devices that are available now you co-wrote one episode of yeah. Black Mirror with your husband. Yeah. And obviously the running theme through that is technology, technology and it being a dystopian society. How much does that, does that keep you awake at night? No, so you know what? If you think about it, we fear progress as human beings. We, you know, people, books came about and people thought, oh, you know, be careful what you read, you know, be yeah. careful about this evil, these books. Dangerous you books. You know, TV was a big, you know, don't let your kid watch too much TV. And now, the, you know, the new thing is, you know, the internet and, um, you know, getting your kids off screens. And it's all progress. You know, we fear change, but it is the future. And, you know, we have to make sure that we police what our kids are seeing but that's in all forms we were told growing up you know don't go with the man that offers you sweeties or to see the puppies in the back of his car you know so don't chat to the man in the chat room if you don't know who they are you know don't bully the child in the playground don't bully the child online you know the problems are the same but they've just changed medium yeah. so we need to change our you know, our strategies to keep up with it and to make sure that we're parenting adequately. And similarly, you know, companies, tech companies and governments are responsible. You know, you can't have a world in which, I don't know, people's private information gets taken. You can't have a world in which, you know, adults can be sort of grooming children. Or You know, we need to make sure that we're on top of it. But it is the future, and it is progress, and we just have to make sure that, as with anything, we build roads, well, let's build some zebra crossings, you know. We have cars, let's put seatbelts in, you know. Just making sure that it's a safe environment for our kids. That's a really healthy way of looking at it, mm. especially when you are partly responsible for putting the fear into everyone else with yeah. Black Mirror. And you know what? <laughs> fear is often, isn't it? Like, we might live in a society where everyone judges everyone on likes, for instance, mm. just to give you one example. But if you look at what the problem is, again, it's the problem is greed. Yes. Again, what I was saying and to desire. you, people want more power. They want more money. They want the nicer house. They want the trendier clothes. They want to keep up with the Joneses or be ahead of the Joneses. They want more likes. They want more thumbs up. They want more followers. It's so like, it's not necessarily it's about enough? the technology. It's about that yeah. greed, isn't it's it? The, it's exactly that. So the medium is just a new medium, but the problems are age old. Yeah. Um, okay, finally, Connie, what's next for you? Will you be back on our TV screens anytime soon or are you I'm quite happy writing? Just, I'm very happy writing. I have just recorded an a episode of Antiques Road Trip with my friend Shappy Corsandi. Oh, brilliant. He's a very funny comedian yeah. who I was at school with. Um, so that was a good laugh, actually. We were a bit like Thelma and Louise 
on a road trip. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being my guest today. It's thank been fantastic me. chatting been to you. Fun. Thank you. Cheers. thank you to Connie for being my guest today and thank you to you for listening as always if you can pop onto iTunes and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast I will be eternally grateful uh yeah thanks for listening and I'll catch up with you next time the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.